everybody welcome back to the nerd nest podcast i'm bill this is uh the podcast all about video game news and the games that we've been playing and today i'm joined by a whole bunch of people this is the the, the panel keeps growing uh carrie start us off tell everybody where they can find your stuff oh hey uh my name's carrie i go by the fox on youtube and russ hey i'm russ i'm over at retro game core both the website as well as on youtube and first time on the show, we've got Kyle. What's up, Kyle? Hey, not much. Uh, you can see I'm Cryobite33 on YouTube. And we have Richard. Richard, how's it going? Going well. Hey, everyone. I am fan to deck. Awesome. So if you guys have, if this is like your first time here for the show, generally what we do is we sit down and we talk about the games that we've been playing this week for a little bit. And then afterwards, we talk about gaming news. Uh, if you guys have ideas or topics that you want to suggest throughout the show, just make sure you drop them in chat. And uh, if it's something that that we can squeeze into the show, then we absolutely will. If you are uh, watching this after the fact or listening to it in your favorite podcast player, uh, you can always watch the show live with us on uh, Tuesday afternoons. Um, well, afternoon for some of us. Uh, we're all over the globe. Uh, but Tuesdays. <laughs> Uh, over at the YouTube channel, nerdnest.tv, uh, and uh, we do that live so that you guys can hang out with us uh, over there. All right, let's get started. Uh, I don't know who added what to the show, so I'm going to say the name of the game, and then whoever added it to the show notes can speak up and tell us why it is that we're going to be talking about that game uh, today. So Breath of the Wild on the deck, and Yuzu, who, who added that, that one? That was me. So <laughs> I noticed that there were a lot of um, performance improvements to Yuzu and even like game specific glitches that were fixed for Breath of the Wild. So most people probably know that if you want to emulate Breath of the Wild on the Steam Deck, you should use the CMU version. You should use the Wii U version. But I tried out this, the user version and on the latest version of Early Access, actually, I was it was dirty 50 3050. It's working really well. It's not quite a lock dirty for me. I've seen a few people say they can get a lock dirty FPS. I'm not quite there. I got dirty FPS locked in indoor sections, so the shrines and things like that. But outdoors, it's around 25, 27. Can get up to 30, but not quite locked. Uh, but it's working well, and that gives me a lot of hope for Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know, Kyle, have you tried this yet? I was. I wanted to ask you that. Not since the updates, no. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay. So, so I'd be curious. Yeah. Uh, I've never tried the Yuzu version of Breath of the Wild because I played on Simu, but do you have the ability to, and this is just totally me talking, but do you have the ability to enable cheats like and stuff like that? How does that work? <laughs> that, I haven't figured that out yet. So I don't know okay. what the mod scene looks like for Breath mm. of the Wild Yuzu version. Uh, that I was curious about the same thing, but I haven't gotten that far. Yeah, that's it. Like I, I, I'm, I'm so spoiled. I just have to play it with like the durability on all the way, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I feel like for me, boy, I, I love this game so much. And like, I would be afraid to start it up again, even to just like get B roll 
because I know exactly what would happen is I would start playing it and I would totally get just completely sucked in and I wouldn't be able to play anything else because it would take up all of my time because this is my favorite game of all time. Yep. It it broke my streak of what I was playing. So I was playing Resident (laughs) Evil 4 before that pretty heavy and this broke that. So easily going to be a problem if you install this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm almost to the end of Resident Evil 4 remake and I'm really, really loving that game. But I don't want to talk about it again today because we (laughs) talked about it. um, I think the last two episodes Mm -hmm. uh, already. Okay, let's let's move on to Final Fantasy 7. Who's been playing that one? So that one's me. So it's the remake. And uh, it's kind of interesting because we kind of talked about it in previous weeks. But this was a game where I decided that I needed to play it on a big screen. And so I ended up buying it on the PC because they had a sale. So it was like 50 bucks instead of like 70 or whatever. And I was enjoying it like a lot. And then I, I ran into very like this was probably one of my very first like full on PC gaming experiences. Usually I play on consoles. And it's interesting because I ran into issues. I had to reinstall graphics drivers, like the game kept crashing, I was losing my save game, like all these kind of typical things that, you know, you would see in a PC gaming space. But once I figured that out, it was fine, which I thought was kind of interesting. But the biggest thing for me with Final Fantasy VII is that, yeah, I wanted that big screen experience, but I'll tell you, about two hours into the game, I switched over to my Steam Deck, and now I'm just playing on the Steam Deck, (laughs) which is so funny. Like, I spent all this time, like, thinking about how I was going to do it and play it, and then I realized, you know, at one point point i was streaming it on my logitech cloud just from my pc mm-hmm. so i could like lay in bed and play it and i was like if i'm gonna do this then i might as well just play it on the steam deck anyway you know and so i just full-on went right back to playing it on a handheld like i always do and i just thought that was kind of ironic one of my favorite games that i played this year is not not this one uh but i, I ended up playing um crisis core this year i picked mm-hmm. it up, i got the review copy last year but i ended up not ending up uh being able to play it until january and it totally got me sucked in. And I and then as soon as I finished it, I loaded up Final Fantasy VII on my PlayStation because I don't have the PC version of the game. Mm. And I really was enjoying myself, but I didn't make it any further than the first time that I played it, which was uh, the part where you got to do the dance um, for the, the, the <laughs> what is it, Club Honeybee or something like that. Right. Uh, I. I think it's a great game, but I just, it's not holding my attention nearly as much as Crisis Core did. Uh, anybody uh, else uh, big fans of this game? And are, are you guys hyped for the, what, what was it? Rebirth? Rebirth. Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I I remember the original where I got all the way up to the final boss. I'm not going to spoil who the final boss is. And I couldn't finish it. I had like a memory card error. So I was really upset. And thankfully, yeah, Remake was my chance to to redeem myself. Um, so I'm a big fan. I'm waiting for Rebirth, but I still haven't played Crisis Core. They, they recently said something about Rebirth. I, I should have added it to the show notes when I saw it. But it was something along the lines of they are bringing back... Um, a total, complete turn-based mode in mm. addition to the new combat modes that you have with the new one. Um, anybody here going to play it like that? I probably will. I actually am not a huge fan of the new combat system just because, I don't know, I like the methodical pace of it. <laughs> and it's probably because I'm just digging way into the nostalgia like vibes just from mm. like playing it back in the 90s. you know. And so... 
it's it's been an interesting thing for me is having like this kind of juxtaposition with this modern like scheme but this old game that i remember and it's funny too because i barely remember the old game and so i've actually really enjoyed it because i'm like oh yeah this is definitely how it used to be but i'm pretty sure it wasn't <laughs> you know and so uh it's just kind of cool when you look back on old games and they're like super jaggedy looking and stuff and you're like oh, i don't remember it being this bad you know like that <laughs> i'm having that updated experience so i'm like yeah this is totally how it was on the ps1 when i played it too <laughs> well speaking of super jaggedy somebody added old school runescape to the show notes who is me. playing runescape <laughs> kyle yeah that's me <laughs> tell us i never played runescape so tell me all about it uh i mean back in the day i did uh back in 2007 era i didn't even have an internet at my house so i would play it at the uh the public library because <laughs> their computers could run it um and i never got very far in it but uh just a couple months ago i saw somebody on youtube playing it so i was like you know what i'll pick it up again um and i've put i don't know a couple dozen hours in this week probably just having it up on the deck um it has like gpu acceleration mods and everything so you don't have to rely on the old software renderer and you can get a locked 60 everywhere except for like one little island and um yeah it's just been great because you can carry it around and you can grind wherever you go that's awesome anybody else play runescape or did i miss out no, I never played it, but you know, I, it gets me thinking. Like, I bet you back in the day, people would have killed for a portable experience like what you're having oh, right hell now. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. That's just kind of amazing. Absolutely, yeah, it's, a, it's a way they never intended. Like, they never thought it would happen, but it's it's the best way to play by far. That's awesome. Uh, and then we've got oh, I, uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Who's been playing that one? That was also me. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, is it your first time playing that, or or no, is I'm it, are you the, I'm in the deep end game. Um, oh, okay, I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter since the first one on the PS2. Uh, so I got Rise when it came wow. out on the Switch, and then I got it on the PC. And I think I put like 330 hours into it on the PC or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was playing with my brother the other day, and we played uh, about eight or nine consecutive hours of just hunting the end game monsters and everything. It's a good time. Wow. It's a absolutely fantastic game. I, I I don't have as many hours into it as you, but I probably around um I'm gonna say total between the Switch and and my Steam Deck, probably 200 hours, and it's incredibly addictive gameplay. But as soon as I walk away from it for a little while, um, when I try and come back, it, it's always real bad, and I just get I just get like smacked down hard every single time it's it's not a super forgiving game although as far as monster hunter games go i think it's one of the most forgiving yeah rise is more like a fighting game than any of the previous games so once you forget like that muscle memory like you're out of the count until you you warm back up Mm -hmm. uh loop hero who's who's playing that one that's me oh tell us about it i think uh are you playing it on game pass i am playing i just got on game pass i was like you know what I wanted to play this. It just, I prefer that type of, um, I don't know. Whenever I see the like the little guy, that's just, he's just like a little, I don't know, twelve pixel character. Uh, <laughs> when you're when you're going through it, there's like a part of that that just speaks to me, uh, and it's very rogue roguish. So you're going through a loop, and there's things that you collect, and then you can build like a, a fort in the background that gives you other things that help you through your runs that you go through in future loops so you just it kind of like dynamically builds and then there's like so there's like weapons and armor that you get that are random loot that will um kind of affect your character and there's different characters so classes so far you start off as a warrior then you get a rogue uh necromancer i'm just a little bit away from 
which I'm curious about. But the pace of the game is a, a little bit too slow. And it could be that I am going into it super blind. So there's like things that I am learning as I'm playing. And it's like, oh, well, this card, if I put this, but then I put other cards around it, it gives me all of these resources that I didn't know before. So I did like five loops and I was barely getting anything. I'm like, man, this is taking forever just to <laughs> unlock anything. The progression on this is like way out of like, a, this is all wrong. So it's like yeah. it's slowly learning how to play the game. Um, but yeah, there's there's a part of me that feels like it just goes super slow. And then I'm like, well, let me just do another loop, and uh, it'll it'll kind of go like that. And you're, it's really sometimes you get a good loop in which you get like good weapons and stuff. So I go like heavy vampirism builds. Mm-hmm. So every hit I get health back or uh, regen, and that seems to be like one of the easiest ways that I can cont- do like a lot of loops. Um, and that's what I go for basically. But yeah, it's it's kind of a weird game. I'm pretty sure it's still there's still stuff that I need to learn to play properly Mm -hmm. but it's i prefer playing like that like just going in you know raw there's not a bunch of tutorials which i tend to prefer and it's kind of just you just read what's in front of you and kind of interact with things and learn the systems and those are a bit more rewarding for me uh but it's it's a bit slow um but since it's on game pass if you have game pass it's the barrier to entry is nothing at that point so i would you know say definitely give it a go i don't think it's for everybody but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting type of game. Have you been playing it on PC or on Xbox? I play it on Xbox right now. I just played it in my living room, so I'll just pop it on and then get going. Yeah, I ended up doing the same thing on my Xbox. I fired it up and uh, because I wanted something that I could play while I was listening to a podcast. So I just threw a, I had my headphones on and I was like, I could play Resident Evil 4 Remake because I'm, I know that I'm close to the end of that. But I want to pay attention to that. Right. And Loop Hero, I could just ignore turn the sound off essentially and just have my headphones on and listen to uh whatever show i was listening to it's really good and i'm i'm impressed by the um uh the the control input method that they came up with because it's a game that was made specifically with mouse and keyboard uh, in mind and they've translated it fairly well to the controller um i haven't played it on my steam deck has anybody in here played it on the steam deck yet I tried a bit. It's it's been a while, I, and I had the same experience Carrie did, where it was just really slow. So I didn't stick with it. But yeah, I tried it, and it worked really well. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, last game that we're going to talk about today is uh, one that I've been playing on my PSVR two, and that's I don't know how to say it, Demio or Demio, uh, which is this really interesting tabletop RPG where it's almost like you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but solo, uh, which by the way, I saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie last night and it's freaking hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, you're playing it solo, or, but you can play multiplayer and it's like you just, you, you pick up the pieces and move them around. You don't have to have VR to play it. You can play it without VR. Uh, it's also on PC VR as well as uh, just regular PC I really like it, but I think that the UI in VR mode is terrible because there's been quite a few times where I didn't mean to do a thing and I end up doing that thing because, like, all you do is, you you know, you pick up your piece and you put it down. And when you put your piece down, like, if you don't have it in exactly the right space, you might not actually attack when you mean to attack or uh, you might... um, attack and then the character that you're holding moves into the wrong space and it's much easier to play on with like a controller 
but if you have PSVR 2 or PC VR, I think that you, you'd probably enjoy it because it's a it's a pretty decent game. Has anybody had a chance to play Demio? Demio? I don't remember. Mm-mm. I've seen some gameplay from, uh, I think it was when Wolfden reviewed the PSVR 2, and yeah, he really enjoyed that too. It looks pretty interesting, and that's the kind of game I probably would play in VR. Yeah, and it's really re- it's got a lot of replay value, in my opinion. Uh, Emilio Sanchez in chat says, in that case, you should check out Wildermyth, yeah, oh, yeah, also very D&D single player. I've never heard of that, so that's definitely something I'm going to add to my list. You said something about that, Richard? No, I saw that comment from Emilio, and I was going to mention that. Oh, okay. Look at this. Jasper says it was uh, it's made VR first only, and then they went to flat afterwards. That's interesting. Uh, I feel like I would I would not have believed that, or I wouldn't have suspected that having played both flat and uh, uh, VR. Well, anyway, those are the games that we've been playing this week. If you guys uh, have some games that you think that everybody should be playing, let us know in the comments section down below if you're watching this on youtube or hit us up on uh, twitter or whatever but let's move on and talk about the news if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field that's why there's no vape in team when you vape You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And I I think there's a couple things that might be the biggest news for the week. And I want to start us off with emulation on Xbox. And uh, so for those of you that don't know, essentially what has happened is... Up until recently, and I didn't even know that you could do this, but up until recently, you've been able to load emulators onto your Xbox Series S or Series X and be able to play, you know, ROMs on those systems. I've never done that because I have a computer hooked up to my TV, so I could just do it that way. I've got my Steam Deck, which I can also play that way. I've got my arcade cabinet over there that uh, also... Like, I got a lot of ways to play uh, retro games, so doing it on my Xbox never really made any sense to me. Well, then, this week, it came out that suddenly those things were removed, and we've got this tweet from, excuse me, Elena McKenna, and this is what they had to say uh, from apparently a friend on the Xbox QA team. Uh, It says, hi there. Thanks for getting in touch with us about the recent ban on emulators on the Xbox storefront. We appreciate your interest and concerns. To answer your questions, the primary reason for the ban is related to legal issues with Nintendo. While emulating itself is not illegal, it can be used to play games from consoles that are still under copyright protection without permission, which can create issues with Nintendo and its affiliates. Now, Microsoft has since denied that that's the case. And they've said, hey, this has been our policy for a while. We just never enforced it before. So I'm not sure what to think about this. But I'm going to start us off with uh, Carrie. What's your opinion on the fact that uh, Microsoft has previously allowed these games or these uh, emulators to run on the system and then suddenly stop? Do you think it has something to do with Nintendo, like like this this tweet says, or do you think it's 
just simply them like cleaning up after themselves. So there's a lot to unpack here, but there are multiple ways to look at this particular issue. Number one is that the allowance of this on retail mode as it was, was something that I didn't think was going to last personally, but it was going on for so long. I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome that they're, they're cool with it, that they're just letting people do it. But then as I started looking into it myself, it looked like they were just flagging it and disabling it. And if you went on the Discord, you actually saw that they were trying to like coordinate when you can download the latest right. retail retail unit, uh, retail build of it to get it and then use it during that period before Microsoft would bomb it again. So there's been a <laughs> period of time where this has been occurring. Um, so the whole thing with Nintendo prior, this is like another segment. And I made a video on this, which was kind of just like, you know, just a video just to kind of talk out loud. But there are coincidences as we look at what Nintendo is doing, and they, um, Crow, uh, Crow Point got uh, uh, copyright um, blocks on his videos, not strikes, but just blocks. Uh, same thing that they did to me a long time ago. So it seems like Nintendo kind of does this in a wave pattern, and they're just like, who's who's the person that we don't like the most right at the moment? And then they just hit him. Um, so, but like all this news is kind of like aligning at the same time, which is unfortunate because this could all be correlated events so i'm not also certain to what extent nintendo nintendo's influence pushed on microsoft in this particular regard having said that the retail mode part of playing emulators i thought was something that wouldn't have been allowed for a long time now and you could always just do the dev build anyway so there was always some type of nod that you needed to have some mode that you can kick it into to run whatever stuff you want but the retail version of it was something that i never really thought it should have occurred to begin with um and i think there's just also like a misconception from people when they look at consoles that they are low cost but very high power and the reality is that you could also emulate all the things that the xbox series s or xbox series x can do uh still on very low power machine like intel stuff does it very well just because of how good they are um cpu wise so you look at like, you know, $300, $400 Intel stuff, you can still do CMU on that and you can still do other stuff on that. There's pretty high-end emulation that runs very well on there, PS2 and all that other stuff. So um, that's a, like basically my only thing. I don't think that Nintendo's influence on there was actually anything, is my opinion overall of like reviewing this. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, there's another part in the email where it says, that said, we're exploring ways to allow safe and legal emulation on Xbox, and we're in talks with legitimate emulator developers to bring their software onto our platform while ensuring that all copyright laws and security protocols are followed. Russ, what do you think about that that paragraph right there? Because that's very interesting to me. Yeah, you know, I um, so I've been a big proponent of emulating on the Xbox. I did a guide and a video on it a couple of years ago, but specifically for dev mode, right? The idea that you pay the twenty dollars, become a Microsoft developer, you build your own development environment, and then you install RetroArch and the other emulators there. The whole retail thing kind of blew up after that, and I just kind of pulled away from all that stuff. I was like, you know what? This seems really sketchy that we're kind of bypassing the way Microsoft wants us to do this to do this retail mode thing. So mm -hmm. like with Carrie, like I totally saw the writing on the wall, and I was like, I'm not even going to touch. 
to this. And so I never did. And so it's interesting now that they're looking at legitimizing the whole emulation experience, uh, experience. And I do think that it's possible. Like, for example, you know, PSP. Like, so, for example, they get with the developers and they get, create a legitimate retail copy of PPSSPP available on their storefront. Now, obviously, you know, all the assets and everything else like that, you know, there's specific fonts that are copyrighted and whatnot with the PSP emulator. Mm. If they're able to figure out a way that you can load that yourself, then, yeah, absolutely. I think it would be great. I'm just uh, I'm a little curious. Yeah, if they're going to get like the CMU team or Yuzu or something, I don't think that's going to happen. But all the same. Yeah, I think if we get RetroArch retail mode legitimately, like how it is on Steam, I think that that makes a lot of sense. But otherwise, yeah. I don't know how far that's really going to go. I still think dev mode's the way to go. And honestly, with these new updates coming out and this kind of writing on the wall about how this is not going to be happening anymore in retail, I think it's time for me to revisit my dev mode uh, guide because a couple things have changed, like the drive letters and things like that. So I need to go back and revisit that. So make sure that you guys go to uh, youtube.com slash retrogamecore and subscribe because he's going to be <laughs> putting out a video uh, probably fairly soon. Uh, Kyle, Richard, either of you guys have anything to add into this? Yeah, one more thing for me to add in terms of like coincidental timing, right? Um, and I think this is nothing but just want to add kind of to the timing piece is that we also just got a few weeks ago the news about Microsoft and Nintendo coming to a deal for the Activision stuff. And I know that a lot of people in the comments of my videos that, that are talking about this have brought that up as well, too, right? Like, could this have been a way to grease the wheels? And it's something to consider, but mm. yeah, we will, I don't think we'll ever know. <laughs> this turns out to be the only way that we get GoldenEye. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. That'd be great. Uh I don't know. I played GoldenEye on my Xbox, and That's it was true. not it was... fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have the N64 controller for the the, for the Switch, Switch version. So, yeah. so that's not that's not okay for me. Kyle, anything to add there? Uh, Rich stole what I was going to say, so I'm going to go with him. <laughs> sure. What a jerk. Well, I guess, I guess the question is for all of you who are watching this, uh, what do you guys think about this? Do you think Nintendo's ninjas came after Microsoft? Do you think that Microsoft said, okay, how about we do this in order to appease you, in order to make this deal? Let us know in the comments section down below, uh, whatever your thoughts are. All right, next up, what we're going to do is we're going to move on and talk about, we're going to move from Xbox and talk about possibly the PlayStation Portable. It looks like there is another portable PlayStation that's on its way, and that's what a lot of people have been talking about this week. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, there's this, this is coming from insidergaming.com. This new portable PlayStation system is co codenamed QLite. And it is supposed to require that you have a PS5 and that you would stream your games from your PS5 to this thing called the Q-Lite. So I have to say, I am a fan of cloud gaming when the servers are not in my house. Because when the servers are in my house, then my internet might be causing problems where I'm not getting a good experience. So for example... Let's say I have great internet at my house and I have a PS5 and I pick up the Q light or whatever it is that they end up calling it. Uh, I pick that up and I have a great experience playing it. Like uh, my experience playing it is fantastic, but maybe Russ doesn't have internet that's quite as good as mine. And so he picks up the PS5 and picks up the Q light and he gets a very different experience than me. 
when you're talking about having to buy hardware, which then you are stuck with, even if it doesn't really work well, and if maybe Rust doesn't have a good, like, there's not enough competition, and so he's stuck with the internet that he has. His experience and my experience are very different with that same hardware that we bought. And I think that that's a huge mistake, in my opinion, especially when I could just load like the the PlayStation Gaikai app or whatever the heck it's called. I can't remember uh, on my Steam Deck or on some other device and play it that way. So, Russ, I'm going to head on over to you since I brought you into this. What what's your first off? I want to know what do you think about this, and then secondly, I want to know what do you think is a good price point if this is if these rumors are to be believed. Yeah, well, I think if it's just a remote play app uh, device, then I think it's probably going to be a big failure. You know, I think there's got to be more to it. After all, it's basically a Wii U controller at that point, and so that doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless they peg it as an accessory that's like ninety nine bucks. But otherwise, yeah, you know, I already have Logitech Cloud, and I can stream my PS5 onto that. And mm-hmm. the thing about Logitech Cloud is that I can also do other things with it. So I would hope that there are other things that you can actually do with that device. The thing is, too, you got to remember, there's a big nostalgia and, like, um, yearning for a new Sony handheld. And so all the people that love the PSP and the PS Vita, they might just buy it day one and then build a community around it, especially if it does have the ability to play things as well. And so... I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, Sony doesn't have a good track record of giving long-term support to their handhelds. And uh, I don't think that an only remote play device is going to be as great as they might think it is, unless they price it as an accessory. Okay, so, I mean, you said price it as an accessory. The PSVR 2 is an accessory, and that's priced $600. I'm happy <laughs> with it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that it's not has not been selling so well. So, what what would you say is a good price for something that's like 1080, 60 frames per second with all the right buttons? The 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 frugal person in me would like it to be ninety nine bucks, but I think that if it's at one ninety nine and but has like really great controls, great screen, you know, all that really Sony kind of hardware touch to it, then I think one ninety nine is pretty reasonable. I mean, how much is their like expensive controller? The I forgot what two hundred. Jeez, never mind. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, so that's that's what I so that's what I wanted to talk about, right? Go like, ahead, Richard. Yeah, like uh, Sony has been knocking it out of the park with hardware, no doubt, right? Like PSVR two, PS five, they're both awesome, but they and and those pieces of hardware are reasonably priced for what you get, but they're not thinking about affordable pricing at all, right? PS five or Xbox Series X at least has the Series S as an affordable option. Uh, PSVR 2 is just I, I I don't know what they were thinking <laughs> in releasing a $599 accessory. Uh, again, the hardware warrants the price, but I, I don't think that the user base wants that. And so that's what I'm afraid of with this handheld. I think they're going to miss the mark no matter what on pricing, regardless of whether it's some sort of native or cloud-based. I think they're going to miss the mark. That's my prediction. I will say real quick, I don't want to get into it right now because that would completely derail the conversation, but Carrie has a really great video about another reason that the Xbox Series S might ha- might exist that is not just to get in there on a low price point. So make sure that you guys check out the Fox on YouTube so you can watch that video. All right. Uh, speaking of Carrie, what do you what do you think this thing should be priced at if uh, if it's true? Um, I'll just answer that directly. I do have more to talk about this in general, but uh, specifically, I'm I'm with Russ on here. Uh, 
I know it wouldn't be priced at $99, and I would think that $199 for a de- device that is a cloud streaming device. These are devices that uh, I I don't know if I was – there are people that have been naming it, but I, I call these types of devices console companions. Um, mm. And a console companion can't be – it's got to be like $150, $100, $200. And I think like the, the Retroid Pocket 3 and 3 Plus, I've always – Really like those for console companions, um, and now the Flip I think is a good console companion. Like it's all Android-based stuff, but there's a price tier in my head that if your idea is just streaming only, the price has to be low. Soon, like yeah. the Logitech G Cloud at over three hundred, like it was three hundred for its introductory price, and then over that, yeah, three fifty yeah. for its retail. That's like that's that's a that's more than an Xbox Series S. And what, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> So that I it, that's a very hard thing. So ninety nine dollars is a okay price. Uh, One fifty is like all right, yeah, I can I can see that. Two hundred is where I start questioning who's going to buy that, um, and that's where I am on that. But I have other things to talk about that. Uh, this particular category of devices a little bit more. Oh, well, it, we're we're going to come right back to Kerry because he has more to say. But I'm just going to ask Kyle, what do you think of the price or for the price? It depends what it does. Uh, I think that if it's just to stream from the PS5, like I, like Carrie and Rich both said, like the 100, 150 seems right. But I have a theory that they're going to try to lock down all the um, PS Now streaming and PS5 streaming to only their device Ooh. so they don't have to maintain apps anymore. Because they have to maintain apps for Android and iOS and God knows what else right now. If they lock it down to that, that, reduce their main, that reduces their maintenance cost. And they can charge more for it. They could charge two fifty for that. Mm, it won't okay. necessarily be worth that. No. But if they do that, I could see them charging two fifty for it. That's the most hilarious a, thing. Like, that's interesting. Sony, I have no doubt. Like Sony's like, what can we make proprietary that's not? Let's do it streaming. <laughs> UMD. <laughs> You're <Yep>. a genius. <laughs> yep. I think of this. <laughs> All right, Fox. You said you had more to say about this device. Go ahead. So the Q light uh, is a supposition like it is the light version of the Q, which indicates that there is a big daddy Q um, as a, a handheld. Um, now, I, I'm trying to think of like something like I did with my recent video. If you take a look at N3, Zen5, RDNA4, RDNA3+, whatever way you look at that, <clears throat> the problem is, is that for Sony insofar is that how... Series S at least has a target, right? Like Xbox has a target where they can say, this is where you're going to be running things in this particular profile. You have a Series S profile that you'd be running on a handheld. Even when it's docked, you just be, you know, in a Series S state. How does Sony do that? Does does Sony have the best track record for backwards compatibility? Uh, you look at what Microsoft has been doing for, for years now uh, with smart delivery and all the other stuff to adapt whatever game to work better on a platform. These are things that they have announced years ago and they're still running with. So I think that there's a lot of people that desperately want, like when they say the Q light and it's streaming, everyone's like, you know, you can hear the groans through tweets and forums, right? Like no one cares. And everyone wants PS5 portable. Like if you can play God of War Ragnarok on a PlayStation portable, yeah, that'll that'll sell gangbusters. How I mean, you look at what's coming and there is some reasonable way to get there, but how do they take a PS5 game and scale that down to a handheld without I, I it can be done, but I just wonder how they're going to 
achieve that. And it's like when you run PS4 and PS4 Pro games on PS5, that compatibility flag that, that they're doing wasn't as graceful as how Xbox handled Xbox One games to run on Xbox Series devices. So, um, yeah, that's it's that's the only thing. It's, it's just the naming of it Q-Lite indicates something bigger there. Uh, I hope it, it happens, but uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I will say that um, modern gaming engines are a lot better today than they were in the era of the PSP at scalability, like uh, at, at taking advantage of more powerful hardware and being able to handle lower powered stuff. Yep. Uh, and if you if you're looking for evidence of that, just look at when we had the um, the Xbox One and the Xbox One X and the PS4 and the PS4 Pro. When those things got introduced, I was like, "Ooh, this is going to be real bad." But the games worked on both systems. And then we move forward to this gen, and we have the the. PS5 is a, is a PS5 is a PS5, whether it has a disc or not. But the Xbox Series S versus the Series X, they play the same games. Yes, at different resolutions and different frame rates, but they play the same games. So I do think it is possible that they could take those modern games that are running at, we'll say, 1440p, 60 frames per second or whatever, and they could run those at 720p, 60 frames per second, with like lower res textures and stuff like that if the if the engines support that kind of thing yeah. but go ahead yeah. yeah so i mean literally what sony could do is not care about what like microsoft is trying to do by creating different profile targets that devs have been building towards and then just say this can run comfortably on this thing sony could just come out with a handheld that is very advanced but then just say hey developers if you want to support this you're going to have to do the work and we're the big dog and you're going to do that because you've been doing right. it already that's true. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a smart move. It's kind of like when Burger King uh, just put all the, in, McDonald's did all this research into where's the best place to put a McDonald's, and Burger King says we'll just put a Burger King across the street <laughs> from every McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> well, one one it sounds like we're about to leave this topic. Yes. One question I, I want to get a read from the room. Everyone agreed that like one ninety nine seems like the max price that you could price like a cloud only device. Who thinks that Sony is actually going to price? Like, what's the? We're going over and under. Who thinks it's going to be one ninety nine and under? Like that Sony will actually do that. <sighs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think it'll be more than that. And it's in Sony is very. They have, they're they're, they're careful, Icarus, because they're going to fly <laughs> close too close to the sun. It happens mm -hmm. every time. Whoever the market leader is, whether it's Microsoft or whether it's Sony or whether it's Nintendo, whoever the market leader is. They get too big for the for their damn britches, and they 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 make a big mistake, and then it flip flops the next gen. So, uh, real quick, Kyle, do you think it's possible? Do I think it's possible for one ninety nine or under that they will do that? Probably not. No, <laughs> Russ. I think it is possible because I don't think they're looking at like the Logitech cloud pricing or like the Razor Edge or any of that stuff. They're probably looking at the Nintendo Switch and they're like, okay, you know, we can't put it so close to the Nintendo Switch price because the Switch can actually play games. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so maybe they will scale it back a little bit if their marketing people are at least looking at it through that lens. Yeah, but you can get a Switch Lite for 200 Yeah, that's true. Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, it would all be on the threshold of how uh, premium they want to make it. So if they have like an OLED screen on it, that's going to bump up the price 
things like that. So it's I think that that's going to be the the larger indicative, like where the narrative war pricing is going to be. I think two hundred is possible, but I wouldn't price it at three hundred or two fifty. Yeah, ne- neither would I. Well, the question is for all of you who are watching this right now: Do you believe the rumors? Do you want a cloud-only device from Sony? And if so, what price do you think is the right price? Let us know in the comments down below uh, about what your thoughts are. All right, let's move on to the next main topic today. And the next main topic today is all about the Steam Deck and uh, some numbers that just came out. Apparently, there, there are people who are looking at how the Steam Deck sold in 2022 and comparing that to, you know, trying to project what are they going to sell in 2023. And this is coming to us from this website, omida.tech.informa.com, which I never heard of, but this kind of got shared by everybody out there as it looks like the Steam Deck might hit 3 million units sold by the end of 2023. And... My question, the discussion topic, and feel free to let us know what you guys think in chat, but the discussion topic here is, do you think that that is a good number or is that a bad number? Um, Richard, I'm going to start off with you. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a great number. I think, of course, it's relative to what you compare it to, right? So you compare it to a, a console, um, which I don't think makes sense. It, it looks terrible, uh, but... They don't have any retail presence. They're only in limited markets. Um, they've had they've had supply chain issues to some degree. There are still, I think it, there, it was pretty recently that there were 64 gigabytes uh, models in UK that you had to get on a wait list for, like mm. as as recent as like a month ago. Um, so those supply chain issues do still continue to some degree. Um, so I think three million is amazing uh, compared to other handhelds. It's out of other PC handhelds, it's knocking that out of the water. But even compared to other PC hardware or like laptop models, I think it's right in line with that. Uh, Kyle, what do you think about this? Uh, I think it's a great number. I mean, Valve has basically no advertising whatsoever except for the Asia event. Mm-hmm. Like, just word of mouth selling 3 million anything is phenomenal. Yeah, especially when you look at what Richard said, where the, the, the whole fact that for the first year, you just couldn't buy them. Like you, like people who actually had one were the really, really lucky people who got in early, right up until the very end of the year. Uh, Carrie, I know that you do a lot of handheld stuff, and you know a lot about all the different handhelds out there. How does how does the Steam Deck? Let's let's imagine that this analyst is a hundred percent correct, and that they will sell three million by the end of uh, the year. Um, Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. I got distracted by a shiny thing. <laughs> that happens with me. Um, do you think... Uh, well, how does this compare to the other devices out there that have been on the market for a while, the other handheld market? Uh, it's a... Uh, it's... It's... <laughs> it's David versus Goliath. It's so vast, it's like you don't even, even talk about it. Uh, there's other things I sent in our chat. Uh, I'm trying that, to put it on. Yeah, there that... So uh, if you were to like evaluate the Steam Depot, like seeing what's going on, I have a feed of this, so I always like kind of look at it. Um, but uh, they remove the deposits on on Steam Deck mm-hmm. stuff. So like pre-orders and other stuff, I and mean, how, like how they're doing this stuff, it seems like they're very confident in how they're going to ship in these things. So there's things 
metric there's uh hooks on the store that are now being unhooked so you just buy it um so it's kind of interesting to see like what's going on in the back end of steam to kind of see where they're looking at this stuff three million units for where it's going is fantastic uh that is i think a little bit better than i thought it would do my own personal self if we take a look at anything from gpd aya uh one net any of these companies the reality is that they sell around ten thousand units um if that so when you think about that number this is orders of magnitude better than what these other smaller company uh, companies are doing however you look at gpd and they're like 40 comp- uh, 40 employees so there's not a bunch of them and there is a cottage industry that built up around shenzhen where you can go and get all these parts and you're getting very good rates on all of these things that are in trays of a thousand like as a um a minimum moq minimum order quantity so they are in this industry where they're able to build stuff and produce them all at very very aggressive um prices even though people are always saying like you know the win four or all these other devices are very expensive compared to the steam deck the reality is if other companies were to be doing this pre- previously, it would be double what they were doing now. So it's all very competitive. As Kyle mentioned, uh, with practically no marketing, this is all just word of mouth. Um, they're doing sensational. They're outside of the Komodo stuff and the new stores that they're in locally to in Hong Kong and uh, Taiwan and soon in Japan. Like those are going to be really big. But I think we talked about this before, the, the importance of being in brick and mortar stores in the U.S. as well, which is going to be something that the ASUS ROG Ally is going to benefit from greatly. Um, so, yeah, it's marketing is probably one of the bigger things that I think Valve would have to entertain doing for people to really, you know, for us to start seeing real numbers. So three million projected by the end of 23 is sensational. And it's orders of magnitude different between the other handle makers. Well, Russ, before I get to, to your thoughts on this, I just have a I'm going to add a, a question into this travis cunningham said in chat the other devices iterate so often though um do you think that that's one of the reasons why they have such a hard time like catching because people get afraid to up to to buy it because they're like they're gonna upgrade it on me and i don't know what to do what do you think russ well, I think, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how I don't want the Steam Deck to have a new model coming in the future, right? That I'd rather they work on the one they have. And that's because it's a household name at this point. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the word Steam Deck means something. When you say I and Neo, they're like, okay, what are you talking about? 2021, 2022, the Pro, <laughs> the 2, the Geek, like the Air, the Air Plus, the Air Pro, like which one are you talking about, right? And that's in the same time frame that the Steam Deck has been out. And so, uh, yeah, I do think they iterate too often. I just got one in the mail yesterday, the Air Plus, and it's the same damn chip that I've seen in the last three that have come out, and it's just a different form factor and a worse battery life. And so I'll do a full review of it later. But anyway, so yes, I do. I wish that they would just stick with one, make it a name, and then kind of roll with that, right? And I get it, make the pro and stuff. And like Carrie's mentioning, you know, they've got access to all these parts, and so it just makes sense for them, you know, culturally, just to like make another one. You know, we've got all this stuff, we can move forward, and uh, yeah, I would, I would rather they just make one and they keep rolling with it. As far as the sales of the Steam Deck, you know, I think the numbers are fine. Uh, the thing for me is they need to just have more region support. So I, I bet you there's a lot of Australians out there who would like to buy a Steam Deck, and that would boost those oh, numbers too. You just you just triggered the comments to explore. Oh yeah, <laughs> <that> yeah absolutely. 
I had I I made a video. I don't know. I don't know how long ago it was, but it was a while back where I had talked about you know don't buy from anybody that's not Valve because you might end up getting screwed in the end. And I'm still today getting comments <laughs> on that video where people are like, you shouldn't tell people not to buy from anybody that's not Valve because we don't have any other option. I'm like, I understand. I yeah. totally get why somebody percent. might want to buy from somebody that's not Valve. I was just saying, you might get screwed if you do yeah. that. And that's yeah. like that's all I was saying. But that is something that a lot of people really get upset about is the fact that the steam deck is in such a limited market and of course it's because they just can't make them fast enough and then on top of that i think that they also are working on like they 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 don't have a hardware presence in a bunch of countries like microsoft and sony and nintendo they already have a hardware presence in all of these countries they already have all of their partners that they've that they've been partnering with for a really long time Right. Valve is trying to make those inroads for the first time. Well, maybe not the first time, but you you get what I'm saying. And it takes time to get all of that legal stuff checked off. Yes, we've we've checked that box. Yes, we've checked that box. We've dotted our I's. We've crossed our T's. Okay, now put them for sale in Australia. I do think that Valve will bring them to more markets. And I think it will happen sooner rather than later. But it's not going to be as fast as people want. Uh, but here's the question for all of you. Do you think that 3 million Steam Decks sold in two years, if the projection actually comes out to be accurate, do you find that impressive or do you find that to be unimpressive? Let us know what your thoughts are in the comments. All right, let's move on to this one. Whoa, boy. We've been talking a little bit about uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake a bunch. And a lot of people are really unhappy with that game. First off, it got all kinds of kudos and everybody's thinking that it's fantastic and saying great things about it. And then Capcom decided to give us some cheat codes. And those cheat codes are your wallet. So uh, (laughs) if you guys don't know what we're talking about... um, Valve, not Valve, um, I talk about Valve too damn much. Capcom, uh, they have these weapon tickets that you can use these weapon tickets in the game in order to unlock better weapons. So, for instance, uh, I've been playing through the game. I've got like this really, I don't know which pistol it is, but I've got this this pistol that I've completely maxed out. And then the next upgrade for it costs me 70000 uh, whatever the currency is, and a ticket. And if I want to get that ticket, it looks like the only way to get the ticket is to pay for it, but like three bucks or something like that. Now, apparently, I never played the original game, but apparently in the original game, like these were cheat codes. Like you could unlock this stuff through going in and doing cheat codes. Well, they removed the cheat codes in the remake and instead made the cheat code your credit card. And I'm curious what the panel thinks about this. Carrie, I'm going to start with you. What do you think about cheat codes as credit cards? Are you pulling out your wallet in order to upgrade weapons? Or are you going to hold fast and say, uh-uh-uh, we're not doing that here. Let me know. There's an allegory to this entire thing <clears throat> where I used to really appreciate old arcades and you would pay to play. And then Chuck E. Cheese came along and then you would pay to get rewards 
Um, and I hated that whole model. And then every arcade went that way. And it's uh, maybe this is just because I'm super old, uh, but I hate it. I, I hate the idea of paying for cheat codes because this is first off cheat codes in and of themselves make the game worse, even though people don't like you should only my personal belief is you should only use cheat codes after you beat the game, because if you just like I have a rocket launcher on, you know, stage one, you're just you're not really playing a game. You're just just bulldozing through everything and all types of strategy and types of gameplay elements that you would enjoy. You're not experiencing. You're just going through it. Um, and then there's this. So there's cheat codes up in and of themselves, are, I think, are fun, but they're a fun maker once you've had your fun with going through the game. The problem that I have here, and I don't know if this is the case, if these tickets can be used to purchase to help you get achievements in the game, I am even more against. I don't know if this is the case, but if people are paying this because they're having difficulty getting an achievement, then you're just paying money to get an achievement. And I know that there are games that are specifically made on these stores to just get a cheat, like get, oh, easy platinum, 10 minutes, just get yourself a platinum. Here's three bucks. Um, I'm against that as well. Um, but again, maybe I'm just old. <laughs> I am going to say I disagree with one part of that and the the like the idea of you shouldn't you shouldn't use a cheat code unless you've already beat the game. I mean, I don't use a cheat code, but I don't care if somebody else does. It doesn't it doesn't oh. affect me, especially on a single player game. Just do whatever the hell you want, especially cuz I don't care about trophies and I find achievements and trophies to be annoying because they pop up over top of gameplay and distract me. And they end up getting me killed. So all of that stuff for me I don't care about, but I don't like the idea of paywalling stuff that was like, especially in a remake, paywalling stuff that was already in the game previously. Um, Kyle, uh, what's your thoughts on this? So I will start out by saying I haven't played the remake, but I played the original on the GameCube and the Wii probably 30 times. Wow. And like I have used the cheat codes after I beat the game and everything. Get um, I I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything about this. Um, yeah, it turns the whole thing into pay to win. Um, it's removing content just for the sake of having another monetization strategy, which I hate. Um, and I don't know if this is true. Somebody can correct me if they have played on the hardest difficulties. But I've heard that both of the harder difficulties on remake are significantly harder in spots than the original. Mm. And if that is the case, and they monetize the weapons that would help you beat that, then they're essentially locking it behind that. And I hate everything about that. So, Kyle, that's my understanding, too. But I can't tell if some of that is because of the dynamic difficulty. I talked about the adaptive yeah. difficulty of RE4 last time. And so, like, sure, it's harder. But, like, in the original, when you die, I think it gets easier. So even professional level, I think it's easier as you die. So it adjusts to your uh, your skill level. Um, so that might be why the new version is harder. Uh, Jasper in chat says, uh, let Carrie respond. He disagrees with your disagreeing. <laughs> Bring it, son. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I was going to say is you're saying uh, let people use cheat codes whenever. I, and I will say the only caveat that I will say there is People could use uh, a cheat code whenever, provided that they themselves were no longer having fun with the game and they yes. were looking to create new fun. If, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not against it. But the only thing I wanted to say here is that is that's the only caveat I would do there because you are actively working against whatever the game designer made to have fun in the game and you're just bypassing all of that. Uh, so that's the only thing. I, I do agree that people can use cheat codes whenever. However, they should only do it when they are done with the game, even if they didn't finish the game. 
Mm. All right. Well, it seems like we agree. That's no, that's no fun at all. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, if things. you're not having fun, make yeah. fun. All right, so, Richard. Emilio in the comments pointed out um, the hidden counter for the difficulty is always 20. So it's 1 to 20. It's always 20 on professional. So the adaptive difficulty doesn't apply to professional. He also pointed out earlier that like this has been a thing for Capcom for a while now where they're charging for this stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I wanted to add on that I agree with the general sentiment that everyone has that this sucks and it's it's kind of scummy. Um, and I, But I will kind of back you up, Bill, on sort of... Uh, cheats right like and and the philosophy there so i think like celeste is the model game for yes right for uh difficulty hard as balls difficulty but also if you want to turn cheats on we're going to call them cheats for lack of a better word here um but they call you know it's accessibility mode in celeste if you want to do that and i i so here's an example of a way i did it before i beat the game i was there was a jump that i needed to complete and I didn't know if there was a strawberry up there. I had no idea. And I was I was there for like 45 minutes trying to complete. And then finally I turned on the cheats just to see if the strawberry was there. And then I turned the cheats back off and went back to doing it because there was a strawberry there. So I had to I wanted to complete it. So I turned the cheats on just to see if if I needed to do it, if I needed to keep wasting my time. And then I went and did it. So I think it's the model game for accessibility is okay. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. You guys are over here talking about the philosophy of, you know, paying for this and stuff. And I'm over here thinking to myself, I, I, how much, how much is it? Like, can I do it? <laughs> Cause for me, it is about, like Carrie said, it's about enjoying the game. And mm-hmm. the, the thing that's, that's holding me back from playing RE4 is that I don't think I'll enjoy it. It's going to be too hard. It took me six months to play through the first one on the GameCube because I would just crawl through every inch of that game. Cause I was so freaked out about some guy in a pitchfork. And so like if it if it makes it that it's a more palatable experience for me than for me three dollars or whatever it happens to be and I I'm, I'd be one of those suckers that would actually pay for it. I I went through Resident Evil Five with a friend and he had already beat it and so he was able to take his weapons with him and so I'm like side playing with him and he had his rocket from the very beginning and it killed all the fun out of that game because we get mm-hmm. to a boss and be like oh I wonder what this is going to be like and he would just hit it and it would be over and I'm like he's like but but you got the achievement now and I'm like. But I didn't get to play the game, you know what I mean? And so I've never got to play Resident Evil 5 since then, you know? And so I get it. Yeah, there's a balance there between, like, enjoying the game and having the cheat and stuff. But I think my example would be that I would have never played 40 hours of Breath of the Wild like I did if I wasn't able to play it on CMU where I could turn on the durability and stuff like that. Because it was just too much game for me. So, all right, yeah. Russ is a dirty cheater, and now we <laughs> all can we can all confirm that. This is my last uh, appearance on the podcast, guys. It was great. <laughs> uh, well, I guess the question is for all of you: How do you feel about Capcom doing this? There's people in chat that are saying that they've been doing it for a while. I guess I never really paid attention to that. Uh, let us know in the comments what you think about this. Are you a dirty cheater like Russ, or do you want to play <laughs> the game completely pure like Carrie? Let us know what you guys think. Uh, down below. All right. The last topic that I want to talk about today uh, real quick uh, is going to be Halo Master Chief on the Steam Deck. Uh, It finally is uh, working 100%. And this has been tweeted out by Halo themselves that it is absolutely working. I love that Microsoft is doing this kind of stuff themselves because they could just say, well, you know, this is an older game. It was made before the Steam Deck came out. 
Um, there's no reason for us to go back and update it, but instead they're doing it. Now, here's my question to the panel. Do you guys think that if Microsoft wasn't currently trying to impress all of the governments of the world to let them buy <laughs> Activision Blizzard, do you think that Microsoft would be doing this right now? Or do you think that they would be saying, ah, that's not our problem. Just uh, get Game Pass and play it on uh, um, uh, cl my, uh, cloud, Xbox Cloud Gaming. Uh, Carrie, start us off. What do you think? I, I do think Microsoft would absolutely do this if uh, they weren't trying to buy Activision. They have already have a history of putting a lot of Microsoft Game Studios on Steam, supporting it like crazy, uh, being a big proponent of even like not even talking about their own game store and just having their stuff on there. And I think that there was a moment of realization for Microsoft in general because they've been always trying to push their uh, UWP and Microsoft Store and other stuff, but no one has been going anywhere there. And they tried, you know, play anywhere stuff where you buy an Xbox game once, you have the PC version and you have the Xbox version, but they know those numbers and they can see the traction and they can see the numbers from Valve and they're just like, well, this doesn't take a genius. Um, so uh, even without that, they've already been, I would say, like a... Uh, a, a citizen inside of uh, Steam where they almost acknowledge it as the PC gaming place, even though they're Windows. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they would have done it regardless. Kyle, are you do you do you are you a Halo fan first off? Yes. OK, so do you already have this game? And if not, would this make you buy it? Uh, I do already have this game and I actually have a Windows PC in the house just to play this game with my Ooh. wife. <laughs> <laughs> so you are now I don't need that anymore. Uh, she's awesome. never played it, and I reference it all the time. So we have to play it. So um, eBay.com slash Crowbite33. You guys are going to see that he's going to have a PC, a Windows PC for sale really soon. Exactly. Uh, so uh, have you played it, uh, this version of it yet? Not yet. No, I saw it. I saw the uh, news yesterday, and I don't have space on my deck right now. But as soon as I do, I will be installing it. How, how big is it, by the way? I, I don't remember. It's. Uh, it depends on which campaigns you download, because you can download the base game is like thirty gigs, but you can download each uh, individual campaign as well, mm -hmm. and that's like an extra twenty or thirty gigs per game. And there's five, four or five games included, so it can be up to about one hundred and fifty. All right. Uh, unless Russ and Richard have anything huge to say about this, I'm going to move on to the next topic. Do you guys have anything? I do one quick thing. It's Go just ahead. that I think it, I, I own this. I love Halo games. I also love Destiny. And I think this is the closest we can get to having Destiny natively on our device. And so, so I'm, I'm totally going to install <laughs> yeah. it. And so, yeah, it, it does take up a lot of space. And that's probably one of the most annoying things is that you have to actually have it loading while you're in the game menu. So you got to hear the music while it's loading for <laughs> two hours and stuff. So <laughs> that is annoying. And it's probably the reason why I haven't put on my Steam Deck yet. But overall, yeah, totally a big fan of this, too. Which I wasn't going to talk about this, but we segued perfectly to it. So I'm going to add it in here. And that is the, 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 the amount of space that games take up on PC. Uh, apparently, according to Rock, Paper, Shotgun, uh, Jedi, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is coming out really soon, is taking up 155 gigs. And here's my question to all of you. Does this change your mind about whether or not you are going to play it on the deck or because for me, I think I'll probably I have a two terabyte um, uh, M.2 drive in my PlayStation 5. 
I may end up just playing it on there just because of the like the footprint that this thing has. Richard, what do you think? Yeah, you picked the wrong person because I spend 80% of my time on the Steam Deck when it comes to, like, I, on the Steam Replay, it was mm-hmm. 80% Deck. Um, it's just the most convenient thing for me. So even when it's, like, worse graphics, worse compatibility, it's just the most convenient thing. And it, I've been watching a lot of playoff basketball or upcoming playoff basketball, and they keep saying the the best uh, ability is availability, and that's me with the Steam Deck. The best ability is availability. It's always available. So this is going to be the choice for me. I think one of the concerns I have are the 64 gigabyte model folks, because more and more games are not just getting bigger, but they're more, more and more often requiring an SSD. And so these folks are going to have to upgrade their storage just to get them, just to get played. I don't know if Jedi Survivor is one of these games that requires an SSD, but it's happening more often. And I think it's going to continue to happen more often. And those, those guys are kind of going to be left out of these games. Yeah, Zach Cat in chat says it gets its own SD card all by itself. So (laughs) we're back to cartridges um, on this. Uh, Russ, are you picking this game up? And if so, where are you going to play it? I honestly wasn't a huge fan of the original. I played it on the PS4 and kind of pushed myself through it just to see how the story would end. And now that I like, I liked how that kind of wrapped up. And so I don't know. I'm not compelled story. And that's, you know, as you guys know from the past few streams, that's what compels me is the story and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, the characters. I don't know if I'm ready to go into the world, especially with barriers like 150 gig install. Carrie, are you going to put a new uh, SSD in your Steam Deck in order to play this there, or are you going to play it somewhere else? Uh, no, I'm going to wait for uh, it to come on EA Play through Game Pass. So I'm like six months after uh, uh-huh. that comes out. It, I have unlimited Game Pass Ultimate. So that's, uh, that's always like an easy answer for me. Yeah, this. I mean, I have a bunch of games that I would otherwise be playing not on my Xbox, but I have Game Pass Ultimate, and so that's where I always end up playing those games. Kyle, is are are you picking up Star Wars Jedi Survivor this month? Uh, I will be picking it up. I don't know if it has any carryover from the first game, because I 100%ed that game. Mm. So if it has carryover, I'll have to get it on the PlayStation. If it doesn't, then I'll get it on my deck. Awesome. Well... I'm curious what all of you think. Are you guys going to be picking up Star Wars Jedi Survivor? And if so, which platform are you going to be playing it on? And if it's the Steam Deck, does it get its own SD card? Let us know your thoughts in the comments section down below. And that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Nerd Nest Podcast. If you guys uh, are listening to this after the fact on your favorite podcatcher, then you can always find the show over at nerdnest.tv on Tuesdays. We record the show live, so there's a couple of hundred people here hanging out with us. Make sure that you guys are among those people and you can join the show and be part of the show. If you are uh, watching this on the video and you want to just get it in your ear holes without having a look at my ugly mug, then uh, you can always find it wherever podcasts are downloaded. It's called the Nerd Nest Podcast, and it's got a big blue logo. Uh, big thank you to everybody for joining us. Carrie, tell everybody about uh, your, your video that you had come out yesterday. Uh, so the last video I just came out was uh, going through the numbers and working through a realistic way that Microsoft could make an Xbox handheld because of the Series S itself being a performance target for a handheld. And you awesome. can find me on YouTube, The Fox. And Russ, well, you had a video yesterday too, didn't you? Uh, just this morning, I dropped one that is a new guide for Onion OS, which is a custom firmware for the Mio Mini and the Mio Mini Plus, which are these like really popular handhelds that you can't buy anywhere because they're all sold out. Uh, but I made an installation guide for the new uh, operating system for it, and it's really handy. What about you, Kyle? 
Uh, on Friday, I released an undervolting and overclocking guide for the Steam Deck. Yeah, That's a lot a of people video. are really happy about that. Yeah, it's very popular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard, when's, what's your next video or last video? Yep, so I just released yesterday a new Deck News Roundup. The kind of bigger stories where the RLG ally was playing catch-up, as well as uh, the Breath of the Wild stuff that I've been seeing. Um, and I kind of transition that into what we expect to see from Tears of the Kingdom, including kind of carry your thoughts on um, DRM and, and of the like. So that was my last video, and next video should be another Deck News Roundup. There you go. And my last video that I just put out was all about Denuvo for Resident Evil uh, Village getting removed on PC. Uh, and you guys can find that over on my channel as well. Uh, thanks, everybody, for being here. I hope that you all have a fantastic day. And hopefully we will see you next Tuesday here on the Nerd Nest podcast. Stay rad, everybody. Mm-hmm.